0: Hello. Welcome to the Social Yet Distance podcast. My name is Jack Varnell. You can find me around the web as the Emotional Orphan. I'm the co-founder and the co-host of the Social Yet Distance podcast, and I want to take a minute to thank you for coming by.
1: magic might have been inside of us all along. Are you serious? Yeah. I told you, Michelle, I love you. I'll do anything for you. The magic might have been inside of us all along.
0: Welcome to the social yet distance. My name is Jack and we are glad you're here. I appreciate it. I did a announcement earlier and I'm here with Dan Nitton. How's it going, Dan?
2: Hey Jack, it's going pretty well, man. Thanks for having me on.
0: Cool. Rock and roll. All right. So let's talk a little bit about uh, poetry and books and literature and uh, novels and, and people. I think that's kind of where I like to start is, um, I I like to talk about writing, obviously, and I like for us to have some discussion. And obviously, we want to hear some of your work. But I'm always curious what leads a, a writer to where they are um, in their art. And so I think that one of the easy ways for me to do that in this particular case is just to tell my story. Um, I came to writing through through my history. Um, I did. Uh, I wrote a lot of letters from jail. I started going to jail very, very young and I wrote letters to girlfriends and attorneys and judges and moms and dads. And you know some were mine and some weren't and I was pretty good at it. And, uh, and that was the first place I really became aware of it. And then um, as time went on, I started telling my own story and venting uh, in longhand form some of the things that obviously ended up being um, deeper rooted issues. And the, that catharsis led me to some level of understanding that, that I may not have been the best writer in the world, but I was pretty good at taking what I was feeling and imparting that into words um, that at least the reader could understand and feel something from. And I, I just I always am curious um because I know we have some common backgrounds how that process works for everybody else
2: uh, that's a pretty uh, that's a pretty good topic to start out with man right from rip Jack uh,
0: <laughs> I'll play man I don't play this
2: is we only got so many times <laughs> yeah you know what's crazy is from the time I was probably in high school I knew I, I wanted to be a writer um I, part of that is I grew up in an evangelical Christian home. We didn't have a TV. So I could listen to some things on the radio and I could go to the library and read whatever books I wanted. So growing up with the love of books because of that, you know, somehow along the way, I decided I wanted to be a writer. So between that point and now, there were some alcohol and drug addiction issues. Uh, There were some uh, homelessness uh, ex-wives lost poems, child support payments. And here we are uh, at some point I decided I, I'm just going to write. I, you know, I, I, I couldn't finish college. You know, I, I screwed up every opportunity I ever had at some point, And I survived all of that, but you know, I got sober and then I started working in factories and I just worked. I, I learned to go to work every day. I learned to try to be a good person every day. And, and I just kept writing. And I didn't, I don't know if I expected to ever, uh, get to a point where I had a novel published, like this happened this year. Uh, thank you, punk hostage press. But here we are, you know, I, I just, at some point, I just knew if I lived long enough, I was going to figure out how to be a writer. That, that was my goal. You know, and that I'm, I'm, it's pretty cool. The quote in the front of my novel is from Bob Forrest. It, it ends well, if you don't die and that's you know that's true that is true um i don't know how it started jack to answer your question briefly i don't know how you know, it started. here's the thing
0: that what strikes me is you know you, you said i felt from a very young age that you wanted to be a writer and i guess i'm curious like when you w- became aware of that what did that look like to you i mean I imagine you didn't picture a traveling, wandering, minstrel poet, you know, Uh, uh, and I imagine you didn't picture Bukowski necessarily. So what did that picture kind of look like?
2: Well, so I went to college as a journalism major and I was the sports editor for one semester of our community college monthly or bi-weekly newspaper. So I wanted to originally be a sports journalist with the intention of someday learning how to write books, novels. Um, you know, of course, when you're 18 years old, the big dream is, hey, I'm going to get a big book deal. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to have an apartment in New York City because I'm going to be there on the morning talk show so often, right? Like that's the daydream at 18. Right. Uh, so at 18 years old, I was writing. I was writing. I didn't want to be Bukowski, but that's around the time I discovered Bukowski. Um, which really changed my perception of what a poem was. And I realized that at 18 years old, I'm already an alcoholic. And of course, there's some realization there that, hey, the things that I'm living right now, this is material for being a writer if I can figure it out, which is so that's what I've been trying to do my whole life, really, is I know I've got this material because I survived an incredible life. I just got to learn how to write it. Right. And so, that-
0: so. It's all life inspired. Um, you mentioned Punk Hostage Press, and I've known the folks over there for a long, long time. And I know that there's a lot of common, common themes and factors with a lot of the people um, who are affiliated with that great organization. And 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 I mean, I can't think of a small press that does a better job at at what they do. And selection yeah. of of writers is just can't be touched. Man, but, it's- you know, but there's, you know, of those writers, the ones I know, there's a common theme that runs through everybody. And it is about, you know, the way you describe it is, you know, it's life experience. You know, you, you, you picture it one way, you realize it's not going to be that way, but there's some skills like sports writing. They're going to give you the tools to work towards that. And there's a goal and that's all that counts. I mean, is that there is a goal, you want it, okay, you want the big book deal, big deal, you know, who didn't want a big deal when they first discovered they could write. So, you know, that's the process. And it's that common theme. And and I I guess, how did you land in the in the lap of people who tended to have that common thread? You know, how did that stroke of luck slash accident happen? Because I know you had some success with other books as well before.
2: You know, <laughs> I, I get embarrassed when I talk about this, uh, Jack, <laughs> because I do everything backwards, man. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, got, I got a theory. If I'm a good enough writer, it'll, it'll happen somehow. And I know that sounds crazy, but I, I really I, – I, I do send poems out. I do send submissions out. I do try to get published, but not very often. Um, I got my first chat book deal from EMP press because a guy that's now like one of my road partners and traveling poet, minstrel friends, Asno. <laughs> the first time he heard me read, he said, Hey, that poem you read, bury my heart in the gutter. He said, I want that one and nine other poems. We're going to do a staple chat. Mm-hmm. That was my first book deal, man. And it's like, how cool is that? A guy heard me reading. He's like, I want to publish you. Like, that's what that that's like a, a poet's dream. You know, and same thing with with Punk Hostage Press and Iris Berry. Michelle McDaniel and I have been friends for a long time. She's always been very good to me, my champion. Uh, Jack, when I say there were times when I didn't know if I could be a poet, really, you know, even though I'm even though you write your whole life, how do you call yourself a poet if you haven't been published widely? You know, how do you so Michelle would have me feature read at these underground festivals she hosted with people like Puma Pearl. Yeah, like legendary poets and writers who have been doing this for longer than I've been alive sometimes, and I'm like Michelle, like I don't, I've never even had a chapbook, and she's like Dan, go read, you're great, and so I did a I did a Zoom for a book release for a chapbook. Michelle invited Iris because I invited Michelle to read because it's Michelle McDaniel, why wouldn't I? And oh, I read, damn it, <laughs> yeah, one L, damn it. So Iris is there and Iris likes my poetry and we start talking and I was in the middle of writing a hundred dollar a week motel and I thought it was kind of good. So I sent it to her and, you know, I've been really, really lucky, Jack. That's, that's the answer.
0: Hey, uh, M- Michelle is the unspoken angel of the poetry world. She hey. really is um, it, it, of all the people out there, you know, that, that, uh, hey,
2: Jack, yep. you know what? she's an incredible fucking poet, man.
0: Oh, besides that, yeah. I mean, that I didn't even get to that part yet. But just, you yeah. know, just to to the idea of poetry, and it's like, you know, you you described um, poetry as kind of one thing, and the way I see it, like I don't I don't know that I necessarily buy into this whole romantic theory of, like, um, you're a poet if or that you have to live some particular lifestyle or. Or have some particular outlook or be a rebel or be an outlaw or be closed off or have a disability or you know it's just I'm telling a story and if it happens to be whatever you want to call it then call it whatever you want you know I mean I don't really care and I don't care what the label is you call me I just like the fact that you like whatever it is I wrote you know and
2: yeah that uh, you know I I don't I used to get kind of concerned. I don't know about concern. I, I, I felt like I would get pigeonholed as he's a blue collar poet <laughs> because I, I want to be a good writer. And if I'm a good writer, I can write love poems. I can write, you know, work poems. Sure. I can write protest poems. I should be able to write all of those things as a good writer. But then I, I kind of slowly started to realize and accept the fact that if somebody's going to write a factory poem, who else do I want to write it?
0: Well, and ultimately the difference is that connection to it with the emotion and your heart, you know, that's where the passion lies. So I could write the same, you know, you, you could call it a, st- a story about a dog, but if I, it depends on what that story is and how I'm telling it, you know, mm-hmm. it, it could be old yeller. It could be something about, you know, my dog being an angel and staying with me until she knew I was going to be alive. And then she decided it was time to go to sleep. You know, Mm -hmm. you know, it could be anything. That was actually a true story, obviously.
2: (laughs) And that's, you know, I I, I think that to me is the beauty of poetry.
0: Right. And that's, that's the difference I think.
2: Yeah. You know, there's so many, so many different genres of poetry. You know, uh, I always tell people, you hear this all the time, I don't really care for poetry, especially working in a factory. That's not uncommon to hear that. So, uh, excuse me, so you hear that, and I always tell people, well, I don't necessarily care for pop country you hear on the radio today. Right. I'll definitely get down with some Johnny Cash and Roe Haggard and Waylon Jennings. Mm-hmm. So there's there's pop country poetry, and there's – outlaw poetry and there's classical poetry and that's the beauty of it is you and i might see the same event and write a poem about it and you'll know it's the same event but it's two different occurrences you know what i mean it's two and that's the beauty of life really but poetry
0: and and i think the difference is when you hear that pop country whether it's a poem or it's music you hear the pop country-ness of it all when you hear Johnny Cash, you hear Johnny Cash's heart bleeding all over the page, trying to get you to feel whatever it was that led him to write that, that music or those yeah. words. And yeah. I think that that's the difference. And and that it's not that that doesn't translate to a novel or a different kind of story. It's not that that's that at all. It's just what do you want to call it? You want to call it a short story? You want to call it a poem? I don't give a shit. And, you know, when I look at my work, you know, I was telling you earlier, a, a lot of what I do started off as long form catharsis, just so I didn't forget. And so I was, I, and, and what I mean, don't, didn't forget, I don't mean the events. I mean, how I felt at that time. I wanted to remember that. And, and that's kind of where it all started. And over the years, I've taken, I've learned how to take, the story and condense the story around the emotion that I'm trying to impart. Maybe I'm good. Maybe I'm not. I don't really give a shit. All I know is every time I do that, I grow as an individual in my relationship to the world and to that, those words and that that emotion that was tied to that. So I don't know. I talk too much. You're the the one who's being
2: interviewed. (laughs) I, uh, as a guy that interviews people on my own podcast, I, I enjoy, you know, well, it's nice to get to know you more, Jack. We've talked a lot by, uh, you know, instant message and email. But, you know, I uh, – let me ask you a question, Jack. Let me put on my interviewer hat for a minute. This is something I've been thinking about. Do you do you write fiction? Um.
0: I have been accused of my memory um, writing fiction. <laughs> uh, but no, technically I don't. I mean, I, the only, and that is if I was, if someone was to ask me where my weakness was, is everything I write is generally about me. There's not a whole lot of metaphor. There's not a whole lot of what's going on around me necessarily. It's pretty much hardcore details that have been polished and prettied and flowers added or a dagger, depending on what's appropriate, you know?
2: Yeah. Well, I've been thinking about this, that a lot of my favorite writers, when I think of books and fiction and and novels, I've discovered over the years, started out as poets. Mm -hmm. And the most recent example, uh, I'm a big fan of of James Baldwin. Mm -hmm. Me too. Novels i didn't i have never read a lot of his poetry i knew he wrote poetry but because somehow by magical occurrence i got to be pen pals with one of my living heroes s.a griffin
0: (laughs) mine too
2: It kind of blows my mind and i know it sounds like i'm name dropping but how cool is life man that the guy that helped co-edit my favorite book the outlaw bible of american poetry is that whatever he told me about one of uh, james baldwin's poetry books uh Jimmy's blues. Mm-hmm. And I bought it and I'm like, wow, like it's incredible. Anyway, my question is a lot of these writers, F, F. Scott Fitzgerald, uh, even Hemingway, Bukowski, <clears throat> they wrote incredible novels, but they started out writing poetry. Kerouac. Yeah, you, Kerouac. Yeah. I started out writing poetry. I just finished my first novel. I got published this year. And some people have told me, Dan, that's like poetry, in novel form. So I'm starting to wonder if maybe maybe that's not a good challenge for writers to start writing poetry and see where it goes, you know,
0: you know, here's the thing, where I get hung up with that theory is you could probably reverse that theory and say, okay, a lot of the really good poets out there wrote a lot of stories too, or a lot of flash or whatever. Oh, yeah. Um, So I think you could rotate that just as easily. There might be an imbalance in which has more favor, but, or is more popular or more true. But I think it just proves that the labels, whether we call it poetry or fiction or flash or short story or whatever, don't necessarily, those things don't necessarily fit into whatever we assume those things mean. Like, I can read a story and say, man, that was poetic as hell. Or I could read a poem and say, man, I understand exactly what happened there from A to Z, you know, and it covered a whole, a whole lifetime, you know, in in two pages, you know. So I I just think that, I mean, if I look at my own writing, It's kind of gone the opposite because I wrote long form and then condensed it down, chopped words, added new words, found a metaphor, you know, whatever. So I've been doing this long form process work, which I use also as justification or a reason why I don't submit as much as I do, why I don't try to publish books, you know, because I could. I mean, look, I got the brains. I could self-publish my own shit anytime I want as much of it as I want, but I would much rather have something that, that. tells the story you know i i I want it to be more of a legacy necessarily than a moneymaker um and but i have faith enough in the stories that are there that they're intriguing enough to entertain as well Mm
2: -hmm. that's yeah and that's uh excuse me so anything (laughs) could happen (laughs) And to be clear, whatever theories I have, I'm I'm just a guy that shows up to the basement and tries to put pen on paper. You know, I, 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 like I said, I'm a college dropout. I'm self-taught. Um, you can see a little bit in the video, Jack, we've got, I'm surrounded by more books and my wife will let me like, I'm not supposed to buy more books without permission. Um, or without an agreement in place, but I do it anyway.
0: (laughs) But then you yeah. get that, but you got that Dorsey subscription.
2: So, you know, <laughs> I'm blessed to have become friends with, you know, Punk Hostage sends me books. Um, I got to be, I got to write a blurb for Razor's book. Like, how much of an honor? Like, come on, man. Like, how cool is life? You know, that looks love- badass too, man. You know, like when Iris told me about that book, I'm like, oh, come on, Iris how he had just met his daughter. And I'm like, come on. And here I am trying to figure out how do I, I, that, I've never written a blurb before ever in my life. And they want me to write one for, for razor of come on, you know, but I started like looking at all the poetry books I've collected over the years and the blurbs that are on the back of them. And I'm like, okay, this is an idea of what a blurb supposed to be. And that's how I, you know, um, man, I'm so lucky.
0: Shit, dude, you know, we talk about road trips and shit. We oh, need to go. To the-
2: Friday night with Jack Barnell. How cool is life, you know? Oh,
0: yeah, right. Listen, we talk about road trips. Dude, we need to go to the desert. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, do,
2: yes. <laughs> so I got this. I drove my wife yeah, crazy. Yeah,
0: since we're going to be in the desert, we might as well go to L.A. too. We might know some people there as
2: well. So last year, they shut the factory down for two and a half months for the pandemic, right? And and the the head of the UAW, Rory Gamble, the president, uh, the the most recent one, and he hasn't ever, he hasn't been arrested or accused of any crimes yet. So we're awesome. So he's a good one. We don't know. I'm not going out on that limb. You know, I don't have that much confidence. I'm just saying that I don't know the man. I've never met him. Anyway, he went down to Atlanta, I believe, and helped the CDC sculpt how to open factories back up and production in America. That's. That's what unions are supposed to do. So credit to him for that. That's awesome. Uh, Yeah. So anyway, the factory shut down for two and a half months. I haven't had two and a half months off of work consecutively since the first six months I was sober uh, when I lived in a halfway house and I was unemployed because I got fired from a job. Um, uh, So anyway. I'm locked up at home. I can see that's another story. <laughs> so, so that's it. I guess got to learn how to ride them, man. So <laughs> I'm at home, and I and I I I have some mental health things, and one of them is I have some obsessive personality traits. So I started watching YouTube videos on how to convert camper vans into off-grid, like tiny homes. I'm reasonably competent with the handyman skills I've acquired over my lifetime. I could take a van. And make it with the solar panels i can do it all myself i think i just need the money and time jack so i then, think we can do tour then, tour
0: then tour. i tell you what you're gonna have to make two because that's on my bucket list one when i get healthy enough and to get a little bit of ch- chump change that's exactly what i'm doing and then i'm gonna go wherever the fuck i want
2: <laughs> so I've, I've, I've watched enough videos i know how to take a camper van or a tiny camper and make it a sleeper for four people trust me we're good
0: Oh, I, I believe me. I've watched those exact same videos. And I know exactly. You know, I don't have the technical skill. That's my issue. Is I don't. I'm not. I don't work with my hands. My, I'm a brain guy. You know, and uh, that's just the way it is. My, I didn't get much. You know. Uh, there's a line from a movie. I'm trying to remember. Never mind. Something about parental guidance as a youth or something. But anyway.
2: I was going to tell you, you know, you said you're a brain guy. We all have our place in life, Jack. But you were talking about some of the health problems you struggled with. My biggest developing health problems in my 40s, I've got arthritis in places already because of the lifestyle I've lived. Mm -hmm. Uh, Turns out being a homeless alcoholic for any length of time is really hard on your health.
0: Yeah, it's Uh, probably, probably rough on the joints. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yes. You know, and all these years in factories, I've got arthritis in both knees, a hip, you know, I, I'm, I'm in my forties and I'm already daydreaming about, man, I got to move somewhere where there's no more winter, you know, like,
0: well, dude, I'll, I'll make room for you. If it gets that serious, so let me know, you know,
2: like well, I got the American daydream that I'm someday I'm going to retire to a trailer in Florida or, or Southern California or
0: don't don't even bother, man. Just come come down here. I'll find you a place. We'll build those freaking trucks here and go from here to wherever we want to go.
2: And I I can build tiny houses too. I got this. I've been I I bet I watched probably eight hundred hours of DIY videos. Like I'm still fascinated. I'm just I am too. And and that's
0: I I kind of like the um uh, the shipping containers as well if they're done right. Yeah. So anyway, that's, uh, yeah, uh, we'll do, we'll, we'll talk about that offline. You want to do a little reading or you, uh, is there anything else you'd like to cover? Like, um, where we can find you and all that kind of stuff. And then we'll take some time and, uh, let you read a little bit.
2: Uh, yeah. So, you know, uh, I guess the best place to find me is punk hostage Um, shouts out the punk hostage press. You know, what's crazy Jack. So I've taken the time. I've been a fan of punk hostage for a long while. I you know I've been to enough underground festivals I've bought enough books over the years. <clears throat> I was fans of Razor and SA Griffin and Iris Berry and all of these Todd Moore, all of these writers long before I met Iris Berry. And <clears throat> so I'm reading this list of all these authors they published. And I'm like, oh, this is like a who's who of some of the best writers of our generation, man." And then you see I see my name there. And I'm like, it just blows my mind. Like, I don't, like it's being got by- that shit. Every time you go by, don't you? <laughs> it's unreal. But yeah, punkhostagepress.com. Go check out all the, I think there's 17, 17 writers. If yeah,
0: I- anybody that doesn't know needs to go there and buy every single book. And in the comment section of your order, put a small note that says
2: Iris. Jack wants
0: his t-shirt.
2: <laughs> I've got one coming too i can't (laughs) wait to get it um yeah how cool i mean it's just punk hostage press it's a dream man you know to work with punk hostage press
0: today's public service announcement don't be a lame flame it's been done already And speaking of Los Angeles traditions, the Social Yet Distance podcast is lovingly supported by Punk Hostage Press, punk rock sentiments in words. We send a happy nine-year anniversary to Punk Hostage Press, its founders, editors, and all the authors. We'd like to thank you for walking us through our transition from Van Halen to X by way of the Go-Go's. Fueled by a flurry of recent releases from 2020 into 2021, Punk Hostage Press has used three recent releases to lead the forefront. Dan Denton has released his $100 a week motel. Nadia Bruce Rawlings, Driving in the Rain, and hopefully Nadia will be here with us soon. And then A Razor's long-awaited Puro Purismo, Come visit punkhostagepress.com for access to the, a library of work from the finest small press writers ever.
2: Um, So that's a good place to find me. I do have a podcast, the Blue Peller Gospel Hour. It's on Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, all of those fancy places. Um, so that's kind of cool. I, I try to focus on working people, working artists. Um, I'm, I'm fighting with the U.S. trademark people, actually, Jack. Cool. I got a ruling. They declined, but they denied my trademark uh, license because they say I'm deceptive. I use wow. the word gospel, and I don't provide any Christian content. So I'm crafting my own DIY letter in response because I have six months to reply. I've I've had to DIY study all this on my own because, you know, I work in a factory and I got to cut corners and save bucks, you know? So anyway, I'm sending them back a letter, letting them know that the word gospel means truth. And I'll be damned if I'm going to let any religion own truth, you know, like this is, so that's my goal with my podcast is to kind of preach the working person's truth. Um, Or you
0: could put a picture of Jesus on your logo. (laughs) <laughs> I'm not gonna
2: I, I decided that I, I enjoy talking to people in my basement virtually and hopefully pa- post-COVID you know in studio I enjoy it so much I'll do it and call it the Dan Denton show I don't care you know it doesn't matter I, I haven't made a penny at, on it yet so who cares you know but I'm not going to go down without fighting
0: well you could I mean like you could really push it and, and say that you are providing religious content. It just happened to be um, satanic in nature. I and have. The, often, and then let them tell you you can't do that.
2: I've often challenged people and, and let them know that I think I could probably create, I thought about starting an atheist church um, because I think that you could do that. And it would be a cool community organization, really, for people to hang out that needed to find people like them. I think we could probably pull it off, but I don't have any interest or time, really. You know, there's a,
0: there's a church. I in, if
2: anybody wants it.
0: There's two churches I can direct you to. One is the First Church of Cannabis, I believe it is, and then the second one is called the X Church, and it's in LA somewhere. And I think it got started by a bunch of porn stars.
2: Hey, all right.
0: So, and, and it's not really religious. It's not sexual either, but it's not, you know, yeah, it's technically yeah. A church, but it's not a church.
2: That's a great segue into reading a chapter from my book, Jack.
0: Let's do that.
2: you a porn star. I'm just kidding. That's not really. <laughs> uh, so I wrote a book called $100 a hundred dollar week motel, uh, came out on January 13th from punk hostage press on their ninth birthday. Um, uh, it's got a forward written by S.A. Griffin. An introduction by Michelle McDaniel. Shouts out to the 1L, damn it. Uh, It's got an editor's thank you from Iris Berry. That's pretty cool. And I got to give a shout out to a lot of people I owe some uh, respect to over my lifetime as a writer. But anyway, I'm going to read one chapter from that book. It's available on Amazon, bookshop.org, and www.gatheringvolumes.com. The only independent bookstore in Northwest Ohio carries this book. It's available. You can buy it online from their store online. They'll ship it to you. Uh, Support local bookstores and local independent business. Mm -hmm. Chapter four from $100 a week motel. There is a constant stream of new neighbors when you live in a $100 a week motel. You don't need an ID to check in or even a real government name. Just $100. First time I walked into the little office to see about getting a room, I noticed the rules listed on a large piece of poster board written in Sharpie. The poster board was white at some point in its life. It was yellow then, with curling corners burgeoning against pieces of tape so old that they'd lost their adhesiveness twice in the last decade. Years of tobacco smoke and burnt curry had not been kind to the sign. Rules written in poor penmanship and poor sentence structures by American junior high school standards, the ones that teach you the 1-2-3-2-3-2-3-4 power paragraph. Those classes never teach kids that power paragraphs rarely contain any semblance of structure. These sentences had no power either. No allow diving at pool, one rule said, but the pool served only as a puddle catcher. And garbage collector for many, many years before my tenancy. How can that rule have any power when even the most criminally insane that frequented the premises would never consider diving into a pool so bereft of anything considered fun and a relaxation that it had long ago become embarrassed about being called a pool? Any of the other rules that might still apply to living in Moe's $100 a week motel were so powerless that everyone openly ignored them. If rules were made to be broken, then these rules were the best rules ever made. They were broken, ignored, and spat at daily. No visitor all night was my favorite rule. I could never figure if the original author intended no visitors at night or no visitors staying the whole night. It didn't matter. Half the people that slept in rooms had never stepped inside the office and nearly everyone that lived there was so broken and incomplete that they needed rather than wanted a warm body next to them while they attempted to navigate nightmares so horrendous that Freddy Krueger, the scariest man that ever lived in Hollywood, only visited during daylight hours. Home is where comfort is, even if that comfort is toxic
0: nice 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 man i was thinking you know i can picture myself there and i and it occurred to me that punk has chose to put that book out and that put you in some pretty good company but i think iris and michelle are the ones who made the right choice my friend i tell you it's good stuff
2: that uh thank you jack that means a lot but that still kind of overwhelms me because i'm just a guy that works in a factory you know and um, there is no just a guy that works <laughs> in a
0: factory, they're all heroes.
2: Yeah, but that's uh you know it, it's man, what a wonderful, incredible life, man. You know, yes it is. How poor said it ends well if you don't die. <laughs> you got a poem about that, maybe? I actually you know what? This poem, <laughs> this poem is going to be in a uh, a small Small run, zine, or chapbook being published by Holy and Intoxicated Press this summer, a press from Liverpool, UK. Uh, Editor John D. Robinson, a great poet. So for the first time, I'll be uh, published abroad, I guess. That's kind of cool. It's called Big Green Electrical Box and East Rudy Dreams. East Rudy is a government housing project I grew up in in Illinois. When I was a kid, we used to play on this big green electrical box. We tagged it with pink spray paint one summer and another I laid behind it with Kay. And after smoking a doobie, she gave me my first BJ. The big green electrical box would come alive and hum as window air conditioners battled summer heat. I think those electrical currents got in our brains and upset our rhythm. Half of the group that hung around the big green box ended up hooked on drugs. Two of us never made it out of those projects alive. Another died at 30, others barely lived at all. I wonder about Kay sometimes while I finger a 13-year sobriety chip in the front pocket of my Levi's. Did she ever find happy moments or did she wind up drinking off-brand cola with half-finished crossword puzzles and weeks-old National Enquirers sitting on coffee tables in front of an old console television blaring daytime game shows, just like her mother. Does she have kids, a husband, or a job? Or is she still chasing East Rudy dreams under ancient window air conditioners? Is she still riding a bike down to the community market that used to be a Will Walker's grocery store 30 years ago when we were kids? Is she stuck there in Illinois in the cornfields two hours from the closest anything? Does the big green electrical box still come alive in the 600 block of East Rudy or has it been silenced, removed, forgotten, like a child's dreams of rising above poverty?
0: Yes, sir.
2: So yeah, there's a, there's a poem about survival, brother.
0: Yes, I I'm, I'm made it
2: out of there somehow alive, man.
0: <laughs> we live to tell, don't we? We live to tell and then we do it in whatever format we choose.
2: If I could sing or paint, I'd probably try that, but I can't.
0: Yeah, I I can't. Any kind of art that has to come from the end of my fingers, um, short of maybe writing, I'm done deal, man. Ain't no painting, ain't no drawing for me, buddy.
2: (laughs) That's not going to work. Although, uh, right
0: now, just on the side, just between me and you, um, I got some uh, across the pond buddies over there. So let me know, I'll send you a list
2: absolutely um there's some big announcements coming from punk hostage i can't tell you about jack
0: that's it's, okay i know where to get the info if i need it
2: i i, I yeah man stay tuned <laughs> man life is so cool brother yes it is i needed this thanks for hanging out with me on friday night jack this is uh
0: and i'll be here all time anytime
2: you know jack and i have kind of been playing uh footsie for doing this podcast for probably two or three months now and jack jack's Jack's probably got his hand in about 807 different projects this week. And i work 70 hours a week and have a family and I have my hand in about 25 projects <laughs> and somehow we made this happen just at the right time. I needed this, Jack. Thank you.
0: Well, I, I'm, it's definitely my pleasure, my friend. I, I, um, I isolate here in this place <laughs> and I'm really, really glad to have the contact and certainly, um, excited at the fact that we are able to share this conversation with ourselves and also with other other people um i appreciate our audience i hope that you do as well and uh dan this is not a first time affair or uh only time affair i hope to do this all all the time um whether it be uh live in person for the rest of the world to watch or if it's just me and you my brother
2: yeah absolutely i think uh I think we can find some collaborating efforts coming coming soon, Jack.
0: No way, man. I need to have 818 projects. Yeah. Well, gotta. What we need to do is combine all our efforts and go find somebody with some real money and get funded. Buy equipment, build studios and shit.
2: And just just to be clear, I don't ever know if I'll ever get a book deal where I can just like be, have it made. I don't know. I suspect you don't care as much about that as some people might. Uh, absolutely not. But if somebody gave me a lot of money, I would gladly walk away from the factory and try to be a full-time writer. Just to be clear, anybody listening that hits the lottery, that wants to sponsor Jack, maybe send a little money our way to help a uh, struggling artist out, well, I'm here for that, Jack. Brother,
0: I, I you, you've too. already...
2: You are already placed yourself in the middle of the, of the labor
0: movement, okay? I know what your plan is. You're rising to the top of the labor movement. I know what you're doing there, Hoffa. I know what you're doing. I, I'm aware that we need some <laughs> strong
2: leaders. I just don't know. Uh... Here at
0: the Social Yet Distanced, we sincerely hope that you enjoyed the art that we share tonight it's kind of what we do. (laughs) And we'd also like to help share your words and arts as well. So please, let's talk. Follow us on all our socials. And if you're inclined and able, consider supporting our production costs via the support section on the main anchor page. And of course, like, subscribe, share, and smash, whatever the hell that means. And if you want to ask a question on a future episode or if you want to leave a 60 second poem, just click on the message link on the main podcast page at anchor.fm forward slash emotional orphan and record your question or your poem in a, in a voicemail. You can also find links to our socials, merchandise and broadsides there as well in all of the uh, episodes of this wonderful podcast. Thanks for coming by and we'll see you next week.
1: Bomb beyond all we've achieved and greed Beyond the fog of war, the fog of rage Check, check, can you hear me? Beyond love-abandoned streets Where hate is only a neighbor away Where bus stop saints are one too many prayers away From their desired destination Check, check, can you hear me? we go wrong, where did we go wrong, teardrops fall, and explode Check check, can you hear me? Beyond COVID and quarantines, bullets and bigotry Beyond solipsisms of singular-minded politicians Hell-bent on hate-hearted anthems Beyond riots and revelations Beyond rabbit holes of QAnon conspiracy theories Where some would rather get lost than discuss the significance of Why Black Lives matter, Matter Where did we go wrong? Where did we go wrong? Tea drops fall and explode. Chuck, Chuck, can you hear me? Through chaos and caress, white noise and destroy Beyond ghettos of weeping and bouillards of disbelief Can you hear me? Beyond firing squads reloading and mind bombs exploding At the end of a thought, at the apocalypse waltz Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Where did we go wrong? Where did we go wrong? Teardrops fall and explode. Where did we go wrong? Where did we go wrong?